Welcome to the Friday Five here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. I am your host, Sarah Rupel, and this is our weekly list of five things you should know about. Before we get started, a quick bit of housekeeping. On Tuesday last week, CMS announced the 2023 Medicare Part A and B premium and deductible amounts. There was an adjustment to the premium based on savings from lower than projected spending on Aduhelm. But I think the thing that was most interesting is that we got the numbers in advance of the September CPI data and the COLA for 2023. We published an episode on the Medicare Part A and B premium and deductible changes last Wednesday. If you missed it, we will have the link in our notes so you can catch up. And as far as the CPI for September and the 2023 COLA, we should find that out on October 13th, and we will report on that as soon as we get that information. Not sure if we'll have it in time for next Friday's episode, or if it will be a special episode. Either way, we will report back. Now, let's get to this week's list. Number one, CMS announced the out-of-pocket limits for Medigap plans K and L for 2023. Quick recap on MedSup Plan K. It covers 100% of the Part A coinsurance and hospital costs for up to a year after a client uses up their Medicare benefits. Plan K also covers 50% of the remaining Medigap benefits related to Medicare Part A, Part B coinsurance or copayment, blood, and skilled nursing facility care. It does not cover the Part B deductible, Part B excess charges, or foreign travel emergency costs. In 2022, the out-of-pocket limit on Plan K was $6,620. For 2023, that out-of-pocket limit will increase to $6,940. Moving on to Plan L, which also covers 100% of the Part A coinsurance and hospital costs for a year after Medicare benefits are used up. Plan L covers a higher percentage of the remaining Medigap benefits, handling 75% of the remaining Medigap benefits related to Medicare Part A, Part B coinsurance or copayments, blood, and skilled nursing facility care. Also similar to Plan K, Plan L does not cover the Part B deductible, Part B excess charges, or foreign travel emergency costs. The Plan L out-of-pocket limit was set at $3,310 in 2022. For 2023, Plan L will charge a $3,470 out-of-pocket maximum. Calculations on those out-of-pocket limits are related to inflation, and we will be linking to the CMS press release if you'd like to read more on exactly how those numbers are calculated. Number two, while we're on the subject of inflation and the cost of things, A new study just came out from Gravy and Wakefield Research, and it's all about consumer concerns around healthcare right now. Certainly something to be mindful of as we are headed into AEP amidst that backdrop of high inflation rates. The study showed that consumers are worried about paying for healthcare services. 91% of respondents said they had trouble paying for those services. 
And then 42% of respondents stated that the inability to pay stressed them out. I think we can all relate to that. And there was a lot of data in that survey about putting off care because of cost, how that has affected consumers. And as you can imagine, those consequences are not good. And the thing is, healthcare costs usually take longer to see effects from inflation. So while your clients are currently dealing with the very real inflated cost of everyday life, it's also a very real chance that they will be concerned about the price of their coverage this year. They might have more questions than they did in past years, and it's going to be more important than ever to make sure they understand all of the costs they're signing up to cover when they enroll in a plan. And I think we'll have to be more mindful this year as we're meeting with clients and talking through plan options that we strike the right balance. Make sure your clients are thinking about all of the factors of an insurance purchase. How does their health factor in? Are the doctors in their plan network? Did they have surprise bills in the past year? Was that a one-off circumstance or do they need to make a change to their coverage? As you're connecting with your clients through conversation this AEP, inflation will likely come up. So be prepared to commiserate with the fact that grocery costs are ridiculous because they are. But also be ready with actionable solutions that can help your clients. They will appreciate the humanity that you bring to those conversations. Number three. There's a new proposal in the House that recently came forward called the Medicare Enrollment Protection Act, and it is not related to the enrollment period changes made in the Inflation Reduction Act, but it's in that same spirit, and bonus, this is a bipartisan bill. It has to do with individuals who choose to keep working past the age of 65 and choose to keep their health insurance with their employer under COBRA, short for Consolidated Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act. When those individuals make the move from COBRA to sign up for Medicare coverage, beneficiaries currently incur penalties to their monthly premiums that last for the rest of their life. The new bill aims to change that rule. For individuals who are on COBRA, when they discover they should have enrolled in Medicare, they would get a special enrollment period. Their benefits would start right away, and they would not have to pay a late enrollment penalty. Also interesting about the bill, if a COBRA insurer makes the discovery that their patient should instead be enrolled in Medicare, they cannot deny the claim. It's an interesting proposal, and as I mentioned, it falls in line with the administration's efforts to remove friction around not just Medicare enrollment, but health insurance enrollment in general, making that whole process simpler for beneficiaries to understand. And agents will benefit from that as well if the process is simpler to explain. Number four, what makes a food healthy? It depends on who you ask, and in a new proposed rule from the Federal Drug Administration, they're looking to update the term, which was last defined by the agency in 1994. Hard to believe it's been that long since an update was made. With the advancements in nutrition that have been made over the past almost 30 years, I would say it's definitely time for a rewrite. 
So currently, for a food to be labeled as healthy, it has to contain certain nutrients, and there are limits on sodium, cholesterol, saturated fat, and total fat. Those old fat content standards prevent a food like salmon from falling into that healthy category. It can be labeled as healthful, but not healthy, which is absolutely wild. But it's difficult to make healthy choices when food labeling is not as updated as it could be. The new FDA regulations intend to help Americans better make those healthy choices. For a food to be deemed healthy, which means including the term healthy on its packaging, it must contain a specified amount of food from at least one of the food groups or subgroups that are recommended by the dietary guidelines. In those dietary guidelines, gone are the days of the old food pyramid. That's been replaced by a plate showing a balance of fruits, vegetables, grains, protein, and dairy. The guidelines suggest moving to low-fat or fat-free dairy milk and limiting added sugars, saturated fat, and sodium. Foods with the healthy moniker on packaging must adhere to those limited nutrients, the threshold of which is based on a percent of the daily value. So not reinventing the labeling system, just changing the numbers and percentages, really. Daily values will vary depending on the type of food or beverage and which group or subgroup it falls into. Take sodium, for example. The limit for a healthy labeled food is 10% of the daily value per serving, so 230 milligrams per serving. The proposal contains updates to guidelines and suggested changes, some of which will go into effect later, One of those, a front-of-package labeling system to identify nutritional information. That reminds me of the calorie counts we now see on food menus. And depending on the food, it sounds like it would make identifying healthy choices easier. But I wonder if I would still have to turn a package around to identify sugar substitutes that I want to avoid, like sorbitol, and other sugar alcohols that are found in processed foods. The entire proposal is 105 pages long, and there's a lot of interesting concepts in there. We will be linking to that as well as the American Dietary Guidelines for 2020 to 2025 in our notes, so check those out if you'd like to learn more. Now, taking a slight detour from health, but still food-related, that brings us to number five. If you follow me on Instagram, you might have seen my post with the four-eyed cactus figurine from the McDonald's adult Happy Meal. I fully intend on going back for the rest of his four-eyed friends, and in case you did not see the photo, I'm not talking about a cactus wearing glasses. It literally has four eyes, as does the smiley face logo of Cactus Plant Flea Market the first collaborator in the McDonald's Adult Happy Meal. Apparently, the Adult Happy Meal has brought out the child in many of us, and McDonald's workers have been so overloaded with orders for the Adult Happy Meal, and that is an interesting problem. There are certainly some logistics to be worked out, and I'm sure that the response has shown McDonald's that they can do more Adult Happy Meals in the future. 
But they might not have to because the regular Happy Meal they just announced is probably going to be just as popular. This week, McDonald's announced that beginning on October 18th, they're bringing back the Boo Bucket Happy Meal. That is the one from the 80s that brings back the novelty of the toy containing your Happy Meal. Will I be ordering one of these? Yes, there is a very good possibility that I'll be ordering them. But also, can we talk about when we're going to bring back those Happy Meal boats from the 80s? I feel like that has to be the next logical step. And while we're at it, please bring back the Fry Guys and the Transformer toys. It can't hurt to ask, right? Rupel recommends. What am I recommending this week? Well, it is a brand new month, so that means new streaming picks for October. And before I get to this month's releases, if you have not yet watched Hocus Pocus 2, I highly recommend it. I watched it with my daughter last week when it came out, and it was so good. If you're into themed movie nights with fun, spooky snacks, you can definitely make a lot of fun, spooky-themed food to go along with it. Or you can just buy a mixed bag of caramel and cheddar popcorn, add in some apple cider, and call it a day. We've got a good mix of recommendations this month, starting out with the Rush Hour trilogy that came to Netflix on October 1st. I have not watched those in a long time, so those are definitely on my list. On Wednesday this week, the debut of Season 7 of Nailed It on Netflix. Host Nicole Byer is the absolute star of the show and about 80% of the reason that my daughter and I love watching it. Yesterday, Monster High, the movie, premiered on Paramount+, and it is a live-action version this time around, as well as falling in line with the reboot of the toy line from Mattel. Monster High reimagines the monsters you grew up hearing about, gives them kids, and those kids attend a high school specifically for monsters. It's a huge hit with my daughter, so you can guess what we will be watching tonight. Previously, there were cartoon feature films, 17 of which became available on Paramount Plus as well on the first of the month. So if you're just signing up for the month or doing a trial period, there's at least a little more Monster High content for your kids to watch. My documentary selection this month, The Playlist, debuts October 13th on Netflix and tells the story of Spotify's founding from six different narratives. Despite being a Spotify listener, I'm a little murky on the founding story, so that should be an interesting watch. Another spooky selection, on October 14th, The Curse of Bridge Hollow on Netflix is about a father and daughter teaming up to rid their town of ghostly Halloween decorations come to life. And then finally, October 26th on Disney+, Plus. The Mysterious Benedict Society is back for season two and premieres with two episodes. That is also on my must-watch with my daughter list. Certainly had a lot of those this month, but as always, we will link to the full list in the notes so you can check that out. And that is all I have for you this week. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there, and we will see you next week. 
Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Emily Ryan. Artwork by Vivian Zhao. Oh,